for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. week three of our series on the Holy Spirit, a brief look at his power and ministry in our lives. So we've been taking a deep look at the Holy Spirit. We want to know him better. We want to walk more faithfully with him. And the title of the message today is the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. You've ever been wondering as a Christian if the Holy Spirit was active in the Old Testament? The answer is yes, in very powerful ways. And the big takeaway today, I'm going to give it to you real early. The Holy Spirit worked just as powerfully in the Old Testament as the New And the way people neglect their lawns, the way people neglect their voicemail, the way people neglect their health, there are believers who neglect the Old Testament, and that's not good. Because when we neglect the Old Testament, it means that we don't actually have a complete understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit. Graham Cole, in his book, He Who Gives Life, if you want a really good book on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, this is like one of the best ones out there. He says, the Spirit was at work in the Old Testament, says because of an ascent on the personal, the individual, and the immediate, we neglect to our hurt the memory of what the Spirit accomplished in Old Testament times. Now, as a church, we are not going to neglect the Old Testament. We are going to take a deep look at the Spirit's work in the Old Testament because I think it's going to do some things for us. And my aim is to help us see how much the Holy Spirit has done in the life of God's people, particularly the people of Israel. And then I want to show us, these are the two aims, I want to show us how much that work that the Holy Spirit did is still affecting our lives today and our world today. The the work that went on for years, years ago, is still affecting our world now. Here's the first thing I want to tell us. The Holy Spirit participated in the creation of all things. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. The Holy Spirit was there bringing light out of darkness, bringing order out of chaos. One of the key works of the Holy Spirit is that he brings things to life and he puts them in order. 
Now you think about spring, right? Springtime, everything is coming back to life. Isn't it nice to get some, a nice breeze on you to see some beautiful flowers? Things are coming back to life. The way that happens, the, the Holy Spirit has brought us back to life. And he has put our life in order. Have you ever thought about that? That the Holy Spirit has actually put your life back together, that he has stopped all of our chaotic living. And watch this. Every time we follow, we don't follow, I should say. Every time we don't follow the Spirit's leading, do you know what we're doing? We are inviting chaos back into our life. The Holy Spirit puts us together. He says, he says you're right, Marv. You're in a good spot. This is the right way to live. And when I, when I follow my flesh, I'm inviting chaos back in. That's why the scriptures say, walk by the Spirit. We walk by the Spirit as a way and a means of, of keeping that beautiful order that the Spirit has brought. I need it too, brother. I love you, man. You make me laugh so much. Here's the next thing. The Holy Spirit gave his presence and instruction to God's people in hard times. You're like, where am I getting that? Nehemiah. Nehemiah 9 verse 20 says, you did not abandon them, them being the people of Israel, in the wilderness. Because of what? Because of your great compassion. Why didn't God not abandon? He cared about the people. Loved them. During the day, the pillar of cloud never turned away from them, guiding them on their journey. And during the night, the pillar of fire illuminated the way they should go. You sent your, here it is, good spirit, capital S, to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouth, and you gave them water for their thirst. God took care of all of their needs met every single need and instructed them in the way to go. Remember, they journeyed in the wilderness for how long? 40 years. And it was a hard 40 years. The people were frustrated. They were confused. They complained. They, they sinned. They needed the instruction. Remember, the text says that he, he was, the Spirit was there instructing them. The wilderness was a tough time. And just like the wilderness was a tough time for the people of God back then, we are living in tough times now. And let me just say this, because we live in a world that is broken by sin, more tough times are coming. And I think a lot of Christians need to get their minds around that. And I believe tougher times than the ones that we're in. That's the, that's the reality of a, of a broken world. Tougher times are coming. Acts 14 says, after they, this is Barnabas and Paul, had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples. So they've, they've, these people have come to faith in Christ. They returned to Lystra and Iconium and, and to Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and telling them, they say, they're telling them, don't give up on the faith. Hold on to the faith, they said. But watch what they tell them. It is necessary to go through many hardships. Notice, not some hardships, to enter the kingdom of God. We are going home, people. Trust me on that. But on the way, the scriptures tell us that there is many hardships that we have to go through. And that's why I'm telling you, there is more 
coming. Now, on the screen for you is Rudy and her friend Pete. Now, I grew up watching the Cosby show, loved it. And Pete was one of my favorite characters. This is Rudy and Pete. Here's another picture of Pete. Look at that, look at that brother. That's fear in his eyes. Do you know why Pete's afraid? Because Pete used to come over and him and Rudy would get into all kinds, they would do stuff they're not supposed to do. And mostly, if you watch the show, it was Pete's idea. But if you see here what's going on is that Pete is caught because Rudy's dad is in the room. And do you know what Pete would do every single time? Almost every episode. Whenever Rudy's dad, Bill Cosby, would show up, Pete would run home. He, w- he wouldn't talk. There'd be episodes where Pete's just sitting on the couch, they'd get caught, and he'd walk in and he'd just get up and he'd just take off running. Wouldn't say a word, just run home all the time. And then you know what he'd do? He'd just leave Rudy to deal with it. Now I'm telling you that story because the way Pete ran away from his friend, left his friend in trouble, God never does that to us. There's never a time in our life where God acts like Pete where he runs away. In tough times, what God does is that he comes close to us. The scriptures say that the Holy Spirit is with us. Jesus promises a helper, a comforter, the text says, to be with us, and he is with us. And watch this. Every single time we go to the word and listen, the Holy Spirit will instruct us and show us how to navigate tough times. That's how we get through. It's with the Holy Spirit's help, not depending on ourselves. Now you hear me say all that and you're like, all right, Marv, but what if I feel discouraged and alone right now? What if I don't feel this presence that you're talking about? Well, here's a couple things. I would encourage you to read the Psalms because it will grow your understanding of God's sovereignty, of his providence, and of his compassionate care. I can't tell you how many times I'm reading the Psalms and David's just crying out, whoa, I need help. Whoa, I'm in a cave, somebody's gonna kill me, I need help. And then he just turns, he says, but I will trust in you, God. There's this reality that God is sovereign, even in the dark moments, the tough times, he is there. So you want to get your perspective sharpened and help open up the Psalms and just stay there a little bit. This is the next one. Ask God to make his presence and power known to you through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it won't always come as quick, so that's why I got that thing there. Don't lose heart in prayer. Don't give up. Maybe today you pray and you're like, I don't feel it. Pray tomorrow. Maybe the next day you don't feel it, keep praying. Don't lose heart in prayer. Believe that God is going to answer that prayer. Then this next one, share how you're doing with somebody in our community of faith. I keep saying this all the time. We are, we're trying to be there for one another. So don't go through the struggle alone. Give somebody an opportunity to bear your burden with you. Number three, the Holy Spirit empowered God's people for special service. He empowered them for leadership. For Samuel, 
16, verse 13 said, Samuel asked him, this is Samuel, he's talking to Jesse, the father of David. And he says, are these all the sons you have? Jesse says, they're still the youngest. He answered, but right now he is tending the sheep. Samuel told Jesse, send for him. We won't sit down and eat until he gets here. So Jesse sent for him. He had, a, he had beautiful eyes and healthy and handsome appearance. Then the Lord said, anoint him for he is the one. You got to notice in this, in this situation, Jesse is parading all of his sons. He's like, this, this, is, this, is, the, this is the best option. And, and God's like, no, 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 I want, I want, I want David. I want the one that nobody would pick. I want him to lead. I want him to be king. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And then watch this. And then the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David from that day forward. The Holy Spirit gives him the power that he needs to carry out the task that God wants Done for him. And God does this because leadership's hard. Trust me, when, I, when, when we came forward, Kim and I, and said, we, we think God's calling us to plant a church in North York, no one at that point thought we would be in what we're in now. There, that never crossed our mind. All we thought was we we're going to start this thing. It's going to be beautiful. We're, and people are just going to kind of come. It's going to be nice. We're going to make a difference in the community. And we've been sort of in the desert wandering for the last year. Nobody thought that. And there's multiple times where I'm just like, I cannot do this. And I, I try to be real with you guys up here. I don't want you to think I'm trying to, I'm some super Christian in the background, got it all together. There's multiple times where I'm like, this is way too hard. That there's something else that I, I could be doing that wouldn't take this level of demand and all those sorts of things. But watch this, Crawford Lurid said something that helped me. In this book called Leadership is an Identity. If you haven't read it, you should read it. We are most useful to God when we realize that in ourselves, we don't have what it takes to get his assignment done. See, the reality, let me bring this all the way around, is that when we first stepped out to try to plant this church, I was full of pride. And the level of dependence that needs to be there on God wasn't. But this is where every leader wants to be. I can't actually do what God is calling me to do without God. There is always, he says, a gap between what you have and what God wants done. Now apply that to any situation. Parenting, managing a business, trying to figure out where you should buy your house. Don't you feel it? This weakness. Right? I tell you all the time, one of my favorite places in the house is the basement. That's where I hide from the boys. Because it's hard. But God wants us in that spot so that we're in this humble place and saying, God, I need you. Because that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives leaders the wisdom they need to lead. The Holy Spirit's the one who gives leaders the strength that they need, the endurance that they need to keep going when it gets 
hard. And the wisest leaders are those who know they need supernatural help. If you ever get around someone who ever projects like they don't need God and they're in a position of leadership, run as fast, run like Pete, go home. Run as fast as you can away from that person. Everybody in our church who's in a position of leadership, the thing that we need to know is that we need God at all times or we cannot do the work he's calling us to do. We cannot get it done. And so we need to trust him and depend on him. Leadership is hard. Leadership is also a team sport. Numbers 11 says, then the Lord descended in the cloud and spoke to him. This hymn is Moses. Poor Moses, right? Moses, Moses. You just feel for Moses when you read. Brother had it hard. He didn't even want to go to, he didn't even want to go to Egypt. He's like, don't, don't send me. Send somebody else. God's like, you're going. And it was a hard leadership role. So what does God do? He took some of the spirit who was on Moses and placed the spirit on 70 elders as, as the spirit rested on them. God says, Moses, I know. Sometimes Moses is, you, you watch, you read, just read his story. One day we should preach a series on Moses. He's just like, God, what, why'd you call me to lead these people? I need help. And so God says, okay. And he, he gives him elders, other people to serve alongside him. I told you again, when we stepped out to, to start our church, it was just me and Kim and, our, and our, a couple of our closest friends. And, but God brought along more leaders to carry the load because one person cannot get the work done on their own. It needs to be a group effort. The leadership demand was too much for Moses, and so God gave him help. Plural leadership was God's plan from jump. You just go back to the story of Adam and Eve. The creation mandate is given to both of them. God looks at both of them, and he says, the both of you together go out and do this. Represent me well, spread out across the world, the person who tries to lead alone is going against scripture. Regularly, multiple times this week, God reminded me just to give thanks for Pastor Dennis, Pastor Yogi, Pastor Sean, and the, the deacons that he's raising up in our church because there's too much work to do for one person. The load is too much. Multiple leaders is a blessing. When there's multiple leaders, the workload is shared. When there's Multiple leaders, there's mutual accountability. Trust me, you don't want to be a part of a church where there's not plural leadership. Because that means one person could really like, take control and run everything. And it becomes about that person. You don't want to be in, part, in anything like that. When there's multiple leaders, there's different perspectives. There's many times when I'm in meetings where I'm just like, I, I honestly, we're in elder meetings, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And, but one of the other brothers speaks up. We need that different perspective. When there's multiple leaders, there's more wisdom and diverse skill for the task. That's why as a church, we're, we're pursuing, raising up 
more elders. We thank God for the deacons that he's raising up in our church because we need that. And so here are some practical steps to take in prayer. If you're gifted to lead, humbly ask God to give you opportunities to lead and the ability to do it in a Christ-like way. It's not wrong to want to lead. And don't be afraid to tell us if you feel like God's gifted me in these areas. I, then tell us so we can walk with you and help you in that. So ask the Lord. Then also thank God for giving our church elders and deacons. Our church is not that old, but we have these things in place, which is God's mercy to us. It's God's grace to us. I was talking to a brother this week who their church has been going for eight years and they don't have enough elders and deacons. And God's blessed us. So let's give thanks for that. Ask God to protect the unity between our leaders. And then ask the Lord to raise up more leaders in our local fellowship. We want that so that the work is spread out, so that we can shepherd and care for the flock of God well. So he empowered them for leadership. He also empowered them with artistic skill and the ability to teach others. Exodus 31. The Lord also spoke to Moses. He says, look, I appointed by name Basilel, son of Uri, of the tribe of Judah. I've filled him with God's spirit, with wisdom, understanding, and ability in every craft to design artistic work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut gemstones for mounting, and to carve wood for work in every craft. This is the tabernacle that's being built. And God's like, I got, I got, I, I got the artist. I got that all set up. Then Moses said to Israel, look, the Lord has appointed by name Basel, son of Uri, son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah. He has filled him with God's spirit, with wisdom, understanding, and ability in every kind of craft to design artistic works in gold and silver and bronze and to cut gemstone from mounting and carved wood for work in every kind of artistic craft. Art matters to God. Beauty matters to God. And again, we don't read the Old Testament. Sometimes we miss out on this kind of stuff. That the artist actually has a place in the church of God. He has also given both him and Oliab of the tribe of Dan the ability to teach others. And so there's this good word here for the artist. One, like I said, you need to understand that there is a place for you in the church of God. Whatever artistic gift God has given you, he wants you to use it. But you are to never forget who the source is of your gift. Notice that the Holy Spirit is the one who gives them knowledge, intelligence, and skill. And the Holy Spirit expects the artist to use it to serve God. So we need to know God is the source of our gift. So we thank him for it and we use it to glorify him. The other thing is, the artist needs to keep developing your gift. Right, you've been given something by God. You've been given a talent and he expects a return on it. So you should develop it. Put in the work, practice, study, ask for feedback. Don't fear feedback, right? Feedback is the breakfast of champions. 
And so you, you seek it out because you're only going to get stronger. And here's the thing. Don't be afraid to seek to use the gift that God has given you to provide for yourself. That's also okay. Glorify the Lord, provide for yourself. Nothing wrong with that. Two other things I want to say quickly. This passage shows that excellence also matters to God. Look at when the scriptures were up there. God is clearly wanting the place to be beautiful. Did you notice that? And he's given them the ability to do it in an excellent way. And so we, are, as image bearers of God, should strive for excellence in every single thing that we do. The Christian should never mail it in, ever. Because when we strive for excellence in our work, in our parenting, whatever it is, in our friendships, whatever it is, we are doing a good job of imaging God well. That's how we represent God well in the world. We say, my God does things with excellence and so will I. That's what it, that's what it looks like, another way to follow him. The other thing is, God expects mentorship to happen in the church. Mentorship and training. Can we get the verse back up, the last one, 34? At the bottom, he says, the other one, yes, 35, my bad. He says, he has also given both him and Oliab the ability, you see it, to teach others. God doesn't give him the ability to teach others so they can just sit down and not teach anyone. He actually expects it. This passing on. And again, so again, if God has given you a gift, he wants you to use it, yes, but he also wants you to train up other people. This, this mentorship, this passing on. Why? So that if something happens, somebody could step in. It's so important, right? As a church, we wanna, we wanna be training other people so that if something comes up, that person could simply step in if the other person can't. So here's how this comes home. If you have a skill and a gift, this speaks to you, Phil. Be available. You're one of the best drummers I know. I, I mean, I'm not supposed to envy, but when he's in there, I'm just like, man, I wish I could hit stuff like that. Be available. Train and mentor other people. And here's the other thing. If you want mentorship, ask. If you feel like, I want to learn how to Handle the word, ask. I wanna learn how to grow in, in whatever, how to handle some of the production stuff, ask. So that we can then put things and take steps to make that happen. Now the way Kawhi Leonard was crucial to the Raptors in their championship run, which I'm not sure will ever happen again, so enjoy that, profits, were crucial, they play a crucial role in the story, in the, in the life of the people of Israel. Here's the last thing. The Holy Spirit revealed God's word through the prophets. Micah 3, verse 8 says, As for me, however, I am filled with power by the Spirit of the Lord, with justice and courage to proclaim to Jacob his rebellion and in Israel his sin. 
God empowered the prophets to warn of his coming judgment. He empowered and prophets to preach against the sin that was going on in Israel. He, he came powerfully and spoke through the Spirit. He also empowered prophets to talk about the coming Messiah. Isaiah 11 verse 2 to 5 says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His Delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. He will not ex execute justice by what he hears with his ears. But he will judge the poor righteously and execute justice for the oppressed of the land. He will strike the land with a scepter of his mouth. And he will kill the wicked with a command from his lips. The righteous will be, righteousness will be a belt around his hips. Faithfulness will be a belt around his waist. This is Isaiah predicting the coming Messiah. He tells us what this Messiah will be like, that he will execute this perfect justice. But Isaiah also says what the Messiah would say. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, this jubilee idea, and the day of our God's vengeance to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. Isaiah says the, the Savior would come and he would say this. He predicts this by the power of the Spirit. He reveals this to Isaiah. And then the Savior comes and Jesus says this in Luke. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to the unbeliever. If you want to have sight, spiritual sight, to see your need for a savior, God can open your eyes if you would just simply ask him. Jesus will reveal to you, he'll give you sight, he will set you free, to set free the oppressed. The greatest oppressor in our life is sin. This thing that's on us, Satan and his, his demonic hosts working, but Jesus can set us free from all that. To proclaim, there it is, the year of the Lord's favor, then what does he do? He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Nobody was talking at this point. Because the weight of Jesus is just sitting and on them in this room. There's complete silence. He sits back down, and they're looking, and they're waiting. They're like, what is he going to say next? And then he's, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him, the text says. And he began saying to them, today as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. Jesus says that what is revealed to Isaiah by, through the Holy Spirit, it, that is, it's talking about me and the way people ignore their emails, the way people ignore car horns, People ignored the prophets. 
Even Jesus they ignored. Jesus says this, and then he goes on into his ministry, and they, people just ignored him, paid no attention. Tony Evans says, prophets were God's alarm clock in a sense. And in the same way that our alarm clocks aren't, are often not appreciated when they interrupt our rest, biblical prophets were not appreciated. When they sounded the divine alarm that a spiritual wake-up call was needed. You can come on up, Lori. When they sounded the alarm that a spiritual wake-up call was needed. Here's what God wants from us that we would not be like the people in the Old Testament who ignored the prophets, who paid no attention to the Savior. Yes, Luke 9, 35 says, the voice came from the cloud. This is the voice of God, God the Father saying, this is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. That's what we're told. We are to listen to Jesus Christ. And the way we listen to Jesus, we listen to him by doing what he says. Right? That's what it means for Jesus to be our Lord. We do what he says. This is what Jesus has commanded me to do. So I am walking in it. The other thing is we do what Jesus says by believing that his work has not stopped. I talked, I've talked to a decent amount of Christians lately and, and, and the vibe I get so often is that almost like they think the work has stopped. And that's because they're spending more time reading the news, reading articles about conspiracy than they are reading the Bible. And so their minds are stuck on the immediate, just what is right in front of me and they cannot see the spiritual reality of what is going on. And I think so much that we, and I needed this this week, we need this spiritual wake-up call that there's something real and powerful going on right now all the time. The work of God has not stopped. And we are so caught up in what's in front of us that we're missing out on the spiritual realities. Here's what I want us to know. Through the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is still changing lives today. It doesn't say Jesus will change lives and rescue people when it's all kosher, when everything's gravy, when everything's nice and smooth. He just works no matter the time. He's setting captives free. He's giving sight to the blind. He's sustaining the saints. Think about this. There's so many people who are like, oh, you know, I'm done with that church business. But there's some people who are doing that. But how many people that you know who are still holding on? I believe in my Savior. No matter what the time is, no matter how tough it is, I'm not giving up on Jesus because I know Jesus is not giving up on me. Sustaining the saints, holding on to us. Why? Because we are his. He says we are in his hand and no one can snatch us from his hand. We are going to make it home. Jesus is destroying the work of the devil. Jesus is like a young Mike Tyson. Just boom! When it comes to Satan. 
I say this all the time because I love it. Satan can do nothing, let me say it again, nothing to stop Jesus' work in the world. And we can, man, we just can't lose sight of that. Destroying the work of the devil. Here's this next slide. I think there's another one up there. Yes, there is. What the Holy Spirit promised would happen is happening. And it might be hard to see, but the promise of Jubilee that you see Jesus talks about in Luke 4 is still being fulfilled. The work has not stopped. And so here's the word for our church today. Do not lose heart. Hold on to the faith. And here's the other thing. Don't lose perspective. And perspective comes when we take our eyes off of what's right in front of us and look into the word and take this deep look that what the Holy Spirit, the work that he did in the Old Testament, that work is still going on and affecting our world today. And the work won't stop until the clouds open and Jesus is there and victory will be ours and the Spirit of God is making sure that happens. Believe in the Holy Spirit because he's powerful and real and working all the time and Jesus is doing a powerful work through him. So we hold on. Work hasn't stopped. We are not alone. Don't lose heart. Don't lose perspective. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reality that you never stop working, that you are changing lives, that you are sustaining the saints, that you are giving us grace more than sometimes we realize. Help us, I pray, God, to crawl into the scriptures more than we're cozying up to what's on our news feeds. It's good to be informed. But we need to be overly informed, if I can say it that way, when it comes to your word. It is the word of God that gives us perspective. It's the word of God that has been brought to us, superintended by the spirit of God that helps us to not lose heart. And so I pray that you would continue your powerful work in our world. I pray, Father, that you would help us jump in and participate, that we would pay attention to those who are open, who need to hear the word, the believer and the unbeliever. And I pray you would give us the courage to share and that you would continue to change lives. I pray, Father, that you would sustain our church, that you would sustain us, Lord, that we would not lose heart. God, we thank you that you are destroying the work of the devil, that you are snatching people out of darkness and bringing them into your marvelous light. Help us to believe, Lord God. Help us to trust you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for his powerful ministry all through the scriptures. Help us to appreciate him and to walk more faithfully with him every day we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.